thanks for joining the DermVet podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist, also a mom of two trying to find the balance just like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. What is up, you guys? I am coming to you today to talk all about allergy testing and immunotherapy and why, yes, you should refer your patients to do it. So let me just start by saying allergy testing and immunotherapy is a huge topic. I have lots of plans of more specific episodes we're going to do in the future. I know I always get questions about blood testing versus skin testing and sublingual immunotherapy versus subcutaneous immunotherapy. And those are all topics that we will battle through and get opinions on. And there's a lot of different ways to practice dermatology and allergy workups and, uh, you know, immunotherapy. But today, since that is such a huge topic and I want to make sure to bring other dermatologists on. So as I always say, I don't mind giving my opinion, but there are lots of great, correct ways to practice, um, allergic management in our pets. And so I want to bring other people on and we can debate and go over those topics. But I just wanted to spend today, this particular episode going over why do it? So as I talk to general practitioners and they have cases, you know, that are managed completely fine on certain medications, the question is, well, why would I even think about referring my patients? You know, it's not 100% successful. It can take a long time. It can be expensive. You know, why should I even do that? So I just want to spend today talking about our goals with immunotherapy, not the specifics on the different ways to do it or the different protocols, but mostly just what we hope to accomplish when we put, you know, a dog, a cat, a horse on immunotherapy. And all of these pets are going to have different presentations of their allergies. The way a dog can present with allergies can be different than a way a cat presents with allergies. And that can be different than the way a horse presents with allergies, Um, But ultimately, our our goals are very similar. So let's just start out talking about, you know, the basics of immunotherapy and how it works. So immunotherapy is really an interesting thing because there's you're going to find lots of debate and discussion over the ways that dermatologists formulate immunotherapy, the ways they administer immunotherapy, how many ingredients they put in how they do induction schedules, but the end goal is very similar. So no matter how your, you know, local dermatologist does it, our whole purpose is to desensitize these pets. So allergies are a chronic frustrating thing. And unfortunately, and and we're just focusing on environmental allergies today, obviously my little disclaimer, food allergy testing, don't do it. It's not validated. Please don't do it. Even if you think, oh, it's just a blood draw, whatever, owners live and breathe by those test results in that piece of paper, and we just don't know what to make of that. I will be the first person 
to want to do food allergy testing is accurate because I hate having to do diet trials all the time. Um, but it's just not at this point. So when we talk about allergy testing and immunotherapy, where you're only focusing on environmental allergies, there's no way around it for food allergies. You have to do the diet trials. Okay. And rant and disclaimer. (laughs) So when we talk about, you know, allergy testing, no matter how it's done and what we're doing, you know, the whole purpose is to desensitize. So when we have these pets, whether they're younger or older, that exhibit these environmental allergies, there is no doubt that we are constantly using medications like Apoquil and Cytopoint and Atopica and steroids. And, you know, I have all of those things stocked in my clinic. And there is a place for all of those. There are certain cases that respond to some of those medications better than others. I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't think you could just have one of those. I think there are certain cases that need atopica. I've had cases where Apical's a lifesaver. So all of those things have their place. But really the purpose of those medications are to provide relief or to control inflammation, which is a wonderful thing. And to give our pets a quality of life, sometimes those things are necessary. But our goals with immunotherapy are a bit different. Our goals with immunotherapy, when I explain it to owners, is we want to think about the long-term management of these allergies. Yes, I'm going to use things like those medications in the beginning because they're quick and they provide relief. But when I'm talking about the long-term way to control allergies environmentally in a patient, I want to use the safest long-term option and really the only therapy we know of that truly tries to reverse the pathogenesis of the disease. So if I, if you have a pet, and say it's a two-year-old golden retriever, and you've done a diet trial, no go, doesn't work. We put them on a medication like Apoquil, and they are amazing. Completely controlled, very happy, owner's happy. But every time you try to take the dog off of Apoquil, we break through. You Do you just keep them on Apoquil? Maybe, depending on that client and what they, you know, they can afford or what they're willing to do. But some of my favorite cases, I'll talk to vets and they'll say, well, I didn't want to send you this case. They're doing great. I thought that'd be silly. I don't know a dermatologist who does not love getting a case referred to them for allergy testing, even though the animal's doing great on their allergy medication. Because we have much better success desensitizing these pets when we start them earlier. Now, I certainly allergy test older pets, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, That's a discussion I have with the owner. But I love getting a case where we know it's environmental allergies. They are on a protocol, and they're doing great. But the vet has taken the time to plant the seed about allergy testing and our long-term goals and desensitization and why that can be important. And they're just coming to see me to get that information, to start them on immunotherapy and to see if we can minimize drugs long-term. My favorite patient, send all of those to me. So make sure when you're talking to these owners, that's, that's part of what we're trying to do is really reduce the dependency on therapies long-term. So the whole purpose of immunotherapy is, you know, however we allergy test, we're allergy testing the pet, say we skin test a dog, we get great results, we formulate that immunotherapy, we are trying to desensitize them. So unlike conventional medications where we're either reducing the inflammation or blocking itch mediators, we're actually trying to 
teach that pet's immune system to not be so overreactive to these things. So for example, a cat I saw today, itchy and has feline asthma, and we discussed allergy testing. The example I'll give if they have another pet is, you know, if as long as that other pet's not allergic, is you have two pets in the exact same environment. They're getting exposed to the same uh, pollens and dust mites in their exact same environment. But, you know, Fluffy is exhibiting allergies and itching and asthma and all these things that your other cat's not. And it's because your uh, affected animal is really kind of hyperactive and hypersensitive to all these things they're getting exposed to. So the purpose of immunotherapy is by giving controlled small amounts of these things, we're teaching the immune system to not be overreactive to those things. And why that can be important is what we do know with pets is unfortunately, unlike people where you sometimes can grow out of your allergies, that is typically not the case for our dogs and our cats. If anything, it is the reverse and they tend to, as they get older and keep getting exposed to those things, often get worse with age. So the two-year-old golden that only needed, you know, Apoquil in the summer, all of a sudden they're seven or eight and it's year round. Plus now they're getting, um, nasty pseudomonas ear infections and all these other things. So that's why we want to be proactive with these cases. And even if they respond really well, to certain therapies, you know, make sure owners know their options and that the safest long-term way we have to manage these pets is to actually allergy test them and place them on immunotherapy. When we talk about success with immunotherapy, um, you know, and and a lot of the studies show around 65 to 75% of success and it's member a really natural way to manage these. Now success can look like lots of different things. So we all love the cases where we allergy test them, we put them on immunotherapy, we manage their short-term allergy symptoms with medications and eventually they're doing great. So we back away from those. They're completely controlled and all they are on is immunotherapy. We all adore those cases. And when we see them, you know, once or twice a year, just for them to refill their immunotherapy, we're so excited and, you know, rejuvenated that we know that this can absolutely work in some of these patients, but success can look like, you know, you were on a certain medication just in this, just, you know, maybe year round. And after a couple of years on immunotherapy, you're doing much better, but maybe spring is still a tough time. So we, we use certain medications at that point to manage things, but the rest of the year you can actually get off drugs. Success can look like I used, the pet used to see the veterinarian five times a year for ear infections. And now we're down to one ear infection a year. So success can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be that that's all that they're on. Because any way we can reduce the amount of infections, we can reduce the long-term management of um, using other anti-inflammatory medications, we're all much happier. I've had cases where I have allergy tested them, put them on immunotherapy. We're on it for a couple years. We can't really get off the other anti-inflammatory medications, whatever that is in that patient. And owners will think, you know, I let's just save the finances and let's stop immunotherapy and see what happens. And then we'll stop it. And when all of a sudden within a couple months, we're terrible. So though maybe it didn't look like we were necessarily that successful being on the immunotherapy, what we did was we at least halted that progression of the disease process. And when we stopped that, 
just using the symptomatic therapies didn't work. So again, success can have lots of different shades, but these are all the things that we look for when we're managing a patient with immunotherapy. It's one of the safest modalities. Well, it's for sure the safest modality we have. It's very, very rare for pets to react to immunotherapy. It can happen. I've certainly had it happen, but usually we're really safe about it. And they're actually must, uh, a lot less likely to have reactions to immunotherapy compared to people. And if they do have those reactions, we usually catch it pretty early, right when we start long-term, there's virtually no side effects that we see associated with immunotherapy. So that's a conversation I would encourage you to have with your pet owners, just making sure they know the information because sometimes the hard part is when pets come and see us when they're older. And even though they had at one point done well on certain medications, they started regressing and these owners would have been proactive and all about a, you know, natural way to actually try to reverse the, the disease process if they had known about it. So definitely keeping that in mind when you when you see your allergy patients that that's our whole purpose of it. And there's a lot of different ways we think that that happens. You know, there's a lot we're still learning about immunotherapy because it's not an exact drug. It takes a long time to work. Sometimes it can be hard to do exact studies on immunotherapy. But what we're trying to do, we know in some degree we're doing, is if you look at an allergic, allergic patient, if you go all the way back to thinking of vet school and your T helper cells and all that immunology, you're probably trying really hard to forget. What we do know is a normal pet, when they get exposed to certain allergens, they usually have what's called a TH1 response, so T um, helper 1 response. And they won't necessarily lead to the production of cytokines and inflammatory mediators that allergic pets do. Pets that have atopic dermatitis, they actually tend to have an over-exaggerated TH2 response. So that that kind of you know causes them to release a lot more um, inflammation and itch and can cause them to be really uncomfortable and can cause them to get secondary infections. So what we're hoping to do with immunotherapy is over time actually shift their immune response from a TH2 to TH1 response. So we're we're trying to desensitize that over-exaggerated response to act more like a normal pet. So that's what we we know we're trying to do with these. I think immunotherapy probably also does a lot more than we even realize, but that's kind of the gist of it. When we start immunotherapy, we're still keeping these pets on other, whatever it is for that pet, you know, steroids or Epiquil or Atopica or Cytopoint. I mean, those are the four main ones that most of us are going to use for whatever, you know, different reasons for different pets. But we do know in the studies, there doesn't seem to be a reduce in efficacy with the immunotherapy if we use those things. So we can still keep these pets comfortable while we're trying to get them on their long-term plan. So when I'm starting a pet, I might use something for short-term management. I'm using lots of topical therapy and then I'm starting immunotherapy. And my goals are to keep that pet comfortable, to watch them through, you know, certain seasons and make sure they don't flare, they don't break with infection. And when we have a period of time where we're doing really well, then we'll try to back away from some of those symptomatic therapies and see if the immunotherapy is really working. Immunotherapy is something that these pets are staying on in most cases. There's an occasional report of some remission, but in most cases, these pets are staying on it lifelong. 
So if they're successful, which can take, you know, we classically said a year, though a lot of the dermatologists I talked to, we're starting to feel like there's cases that even do better after a year. So maybe at a year they're doing 50% better, but as they keep being on immunotherapy, they seem to even have a more positive response over time. But if they do, then more often than not, they are staying on it long-term when we often try to stop immunotherapy in the patients that are well-controlled, some of them start to regress though. Like I said earlier, there are reports of, um, a few that can go into remission. So it is something to have a conversation with your owners about, or let, you know, the dermatologist have a conversation with the owners about that. This is something long-term. This is chronic. Even if your pet is responding really well to a medication, since we know that this is something that will never go away that doing the best that we can to manage these cases with the safest modality that's natural, that's working with their body to minimize their uh, long-term dependency on drugs is the best medicine that we can offer. One thing I will also touch on is just when we see these older patients, it is a conversation I personally have with the owner. It's a pretty easy conversation to say, yes, it's the best thing to do when you have a young dog or cat come in. But if you have a pet come in and say they're, you know, 11, 12, I mean, that's a conversation I have. And I tell the owners, you know, what are our expectations here? And of course that can always depend on, on the pet. If it's a, you know, a 11 year old cat, that could be a different story than 11 year old Great Dane. But I have a really, um, honest conversation with the owners of what are our goals? You know, yes, I think I've allergy tested older pets and they've done great. Like some of them respond or, you know, they still live another four or five years and we're able to stop the progression of their disease. But we do have an honest conversation about this is something that can take a while to work. Um, it's very safe. So that's the good thing about it. Um, but let's just kind of evaluate together what our goals are. Um, but I do have, still have a lot of patients that are older. We allergy test them, owners are game for it, and they do see success with immunotherapy and less infections and, you know, less visits to the vets. Um, so that can be really helpful. When we start looking at things of can the owners even do it, there's a lot of different options. And like I said earlier, we're not going to go over the specifics of things in this particular podcast, but I'll breeze over a couple of options. Um, So depending on the dermatologist in your particular area, um, there is, you know, if a person can't do subcutaneous injections at home. So we do have some owners that will just come to us or their primary vet for the injections, since most of the time we can long-term get them on um, a lesser frequency. So they might only get an injection every one to two weeks. And for some owners, that's not a problem. You know, uh, we have a pet we see in one of uh, my satellites every two weeks, he comes in, owner lives close to the clinic, no problem. She doesn't mind doing it at all. And that makes it much easier for her. Um, but there is the option and it's gaining more and more popularity of sublingual immunotherapy. The frequency is more often depending on the dose um, the particular dermatologist uses, it is often daily to twice daily, but it is something that for some owners doing a little pump in the the cheek pouch or the mucous membranes can be much more realistic than giving injections at home. Or if the owner is needle phobic, or if the pet is resistant to them doing things like injections. So again, lots of different options so that we can make it successful for the owner. The efficacy from what we know seems to be very similar. We have had subcutaneous around a lot longer, but from the studies that we do know, it seems like the efficacy is, is very similar. Something else that, uh, 
your particular dermatologist might do and that we do in our clinic is there something that's um, traditionally called rush immunotherapy. If we allergy test a pet, instead of doing the initial induction conventionally at home, where at least for our protocol, they might get a subcutaneous injection every other day at first for like a month. If they do it at home and then it spreads out from there, we can actually administer that whole set of antigens in the clinic in one day. So the pet comes in the morning, they spend the day with us, and we have an IV catheter in. We're measuring TPRs every 30 minutes in our particular protocol, and we're watching for those reactions, which still don't happen very often at all. But it's just another convenience thing for the owner who maybe wants to do injectable because long-term it won't be as frequent. But they know that, you know, doing it more often in the beginning as we're ramping up the concentration um, in the amount would be tough for them. So, and that depends on the pet. You know, if we have a dog who's super stressed being in the clinic, that's probably not a good option for them. But we, if we have a pet who spending the day with us would be not a problem and it makes it more realistic for the owner, then that's something that can, can be offered depending, like I said, on the particular dermatologist and their situation. But there's just so many options to make immunotherapy since it is such a safe therapy that we know works Um, that can have a good success rate as long as we define what success is for that particular owner. And there are certainly pets that don't respond. um, And those are the tough ones. But I will say that I get a pretty good success rate over most of my patients. Once we really look back in the history and see where we sat as far as infections and vet visits and dependency on medications, things like that. Lots of ways that we can get these pets on a safe modality. Um, and again, trying to reverse that pathogenesis of the disease process rather than just blocking the symptoms. So that's just kind of a basic overview of what our goals are with immunotherapy and why it can be so important. It's something that offering owners, um, you know, they'll appreciate. And of course, just like anything else, you're not going to get every owner to go with it. But even though we have these wonderful, wonderful therapies that, you know, can make completely change the lives of our patients, um, and still we use them all the time. We want to make sure we're offering the best medicine. We want to make sure we're offering the longest term, um, safest longest term option that might actually really benefit us from making the disease worse in a natural way. I think it's important. And if you haven't heard about it, had experience with it, you know, refer some patients, talk to your local dermatologist about what they offer, what they do. We can dive more into the details of, you know, blood allergy testing or skin allergy testing or IV fluorescein testing, like all the different ones that are out there. But I really encourage you to offer this to your owners. Um, Like I said, offering the best medicine is one of the best things that we can do in managing these patients with the safest uh, modality in a natural way. Your clients are going to be so appreciative that you at least offered um, that as an option so that we can do the best things we can for our cats and our dogs and our horses. Um, So I hope that's so helpful. Like I said, if you have questions, specific questions about allergy testing or immunotherapy, don't hesitate to shoot me a message on Instagram or Facebook. Um, We're going to be covering a lot more of these things in details, but sometimes I think going back to the basics and just thinking about the philosophies we have about this, because 
when I talk to general practitioners, sometimes they don't really know why would we do that if a pet responds completely fine to atopica? Like what, what's the purpose of allergy testing them? And it's everything that I just talked about today. So I hope that's really helpful. Like I said, reach out if you have particular podcast topics that would, that would help make that clear for you reach out to your local dermatologist, see what they offer. We're all different on how we manage certain cases and what we offer as far as allergy testing and different immunotherapies, but see what they offer and kind of get their view of where they like you to refer these patients. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Refer those allergies, you guys, out for allergy testing. Keep them comfortable, but get them on that long-term therapy plan. Until the next time. Oh, and don't forget to cytology, because how could I forget to add that in? Do cytology, make them comfortable, refer them for allergy testing. Have a happy client and a happy pet and practice the best dermatology that you can. Until the next episode, take care.